0: Almost lost the cup and you win it. The new European champions, the treble, the dream come true for you. Uh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Football, by the hell.
1: Hey everybody and welcome to episode 12 of the Golden Boot Podcast. I'm Chris Williams.
0: And I'm JP Rios and we have a special little segment to cap off the year. Let's just go quickly over what has happened this week and what has been going on. You take it away for the Premier League. Go ahead.
1: Absolutely. So we were jam-packed in terms of games this week in the Premier League. It was the festive fixtures, I do believe they call it, where teams just play from Boxing Day all the way up until New Year's. It is crazy. There's like 40 games and I'm looking at it on Google right now and it is insane. So I'll just go over the ones that stood out most to me. So, um, Leicester City and Man United played on Saturday. Leicester was in second place, United was in third place, and they drew 2 2. United probably should have won, but you know, it was just a, a great overall game for both sides. And a common theme that we've seen in the Premier League this year is when teams have the opportunity to go ahead of other teams in the top four in the top 10 or whatever it is to get ahead of other teams and close the gap to Liverpool in the first place. They don't. They end up losing points or drawing. And that's exactly what you saw here. Second and third. Um, Let's see what else we have here. This was a huge game. Arsenal-Chelsea. Arsenal are very, a struggling side, obviously. They were in 15th uh, going into this game, playing against Chelsea. And they put out a side that looked like they could play in like the League Cup. So we have Bern Leno, Hector Bellerin, Holding, Mari, Kieran Tierney, Elneny, Jacca, Saka, Smith-Rowe, Martinelli, and Lacassette. Like, that's not a usual Premier League lineup compared to what Chelsea put out. And Chelsea, a very uninspiring performance in Arsenal, managed to get the, the W, which was nice to see. I mean... I think it would be hilarious if Arsenal got relegated this year, but that was kind of fun to watch. I'm not going to lie. Another big game, Liverpool drew 1-1 to West Brom. I mean, can you believe that? Can you believe that the 19th place team drew with the first place team? Like that is something. Liverpool were all over them, so dominant, and I just I couldn't believe it.
0: I mean, you do have Sam Allardyce is that? So.
1: I Oh, yes, I forgot. I was going to mention that. I didn't even write that in our notes. Last week, two weeks ago, West Brom sacked Slavon Bilic, who was their manager, and they replaced him with Sam Allardyce, who has a history of saving clubs who are in the relegation zone. And that's exactly what he did. He parked the bus and absolutely... It was, a, it was kind of like a tactical masterclass by him. Some people would be like, oh, he was scared to park the bus. No, he did what he had to do in order... For his team to get a result and again liverpool dropping points uh wolves drew 1-1 to tottenham which was huge again tottenham's form is not very good at the moment they keep sliding down the table and wolves have been fairly impressive even though they're missing some obvious players so yeah that was really an exciting match as well and then more recently Leeds absolutely Crushed West Brom 5-0. Arsenal got another win over Brighton today. Leicester drew again to Crystal Palace. And remember, Leicester's in third place. So that opened up space. I mean, they're in second place. And that opened up space for Man United, who played today against Wolves and won 1-0. So now United aren't a second in the league. And here's a look at the Premier League table as it stands following today's results. Liverpool first place, thirty-two points. United, second place with thirty points, but they have a game in hand. Leicester, uh, third place with twenty-nine points. Everton, who did not play this um, this past match day because there's a breakout of COVID in Man City's camp, um, they're in fourth place with twenty-nine points. Villa fifth place with twenty-six. Chelsea sixth with 26 those teams drew 1-1 yesterday tottenham in seventh of 26 they were just in second last week man city in eighth with 26 southampton in ninth with 26 this is crazy all these teams are like tied and west ham um west ham finishes the top 10 uh with 23 points so yeah the premier league's been crazy super close super tight and the latest talk in the Premier League is that there might be a two-week postponement due to COVID-19. Obviously, there was a breakout in City's camp, like I said, uh, which postponed the match yesterday. And there are talks that tomorrow's match, Tottenham versus Fulham, might be postponed as well. So, I mean, lots of exciting stuff going on, and we'll just have to see what happens.
0: Yep. And now moving on to Serie A, which is also having a few games. I think from the last uh, match that we had, it was, we saw, there was a lot. There was a few good games. I mean, I think the biggest news story of the day was Juventus's undefeated run in the league because they did lose in the Champions League against Barcelona. They, they remained as one of the only two undefeated sides in terms of the top five leagues in league play. They got absolutely destroyed 3-0 against Fiorentina. And, I mean, it's a Fiorentina that right now is very low on the table. They're in 14th place with a total of 14 points, and they beat Juventus. And, yeah, it was a very, very interesting game, more like since they played so badly. I mean, Quadrado got, like, sent off at the 18th minute. And when you look at the lineup, it's not like Juventus wasn't putting in their starters. I mean, everybody was there. Sandra scores an own goal, and then, I mean, you have two other goals from Fiorentina. So, yeah, that was a tight game. And, yeah, that is very complicated for uh, Juventus, who are now, if I'm not mistaken, they are uh, sixth place in Serie A. And Serie A is tight. The top is kind of tight. But they're right now, as if the season weren't in right now, they're not even in the Europa League playoffs. They're completely out of Europe. So, that's going to be interesting for Juventus moving forward. But the other big game, because we had Inter beat uh, Verona, which Verona is not that bad. They're ninth place. They're four points away from Juventus' 24, so they're not in the worst spot, but Inter beat them. So, as the season was uh, coming to halfway through, Milan needed a win, and they were facing against Lazio, who's in eighth place, and Lazio's a good team. Milan win. In the last second, in the last minute of play, from a header from Theo Hernandez, and it was an incredible game. Like it was front and back, they were going to each side. I mean, Revis scores, Shahinoglu scores, Luis Alberto Nanchiro Mobily scores a great goal at the 59th minute, but 90th minute, 92nd minute, Theo Hernandez, who has like him and his brother Lucas Hernandez are both incredible players and. Like, one of those people who just keep on, doesn't matter what minute it is, doesn't matter what the score is, they want to go and win. And Hernandez, who has been so like, so important for Milan this season, shows it again, they win 3-2. They're still undefeated in the league. They're the only undefeated team in the top five leagues in Europe. And, I mean, as it stands right now, Milan's still top of the table. They're still only one point above Inter, but, I mean... We're going to see what happens because they have 34 points and that is number one. Number two would be Inter with 33 in third place right now, Roma with 27. Sassuolo in fourth with 26. Napoli, who has a game in hand from all of those and with 25 points in fifth. And then you got Juventus and Atalanta with 24 and 22, respectively. Like even further down, you got Lazio Verona, who are still with 21 and 28 points. So it's interesting Serie A. Now, going from Italy to Spain, I mean, I think the biggest news story so far, besides Messi breaking the uh, record for a sing- with goals for a single team, you, I mean, he may have broken that record, but Barcelona are still lost. They're still, like, they haven't found, like, their sense. They haven't found anything. They're still, like, a completely different team from what we used to see. And, like, we saw this game, Barcelona against Abar. Live 5-0, like all the way back in March. Was it March? Was it February? One of those.
1: It was um, February, the February. Like the middle of February.
0: Yeah. yeah. And we saw Barcelona absolutely dismantle A-Bar. Today they couldn't beat them. They tied one one. And it was a big like, it was a big mistake by Araujo, which leads to the, like, to the goal. But it was the opener. And Dembele scores, like, 10 minutes after. But still, if you're Barcelona playing against Bar, as I've said, like, everybody, like, this is not a game that is played on paper. You go on the field and the smallest team can beat the biggest team, whatever. But if you're Barcelona, you can't be tying against bar And, yeah, that's... I don't think Barcelona knows what they're doing on the field so far. So as it stands right now, Atletico Madrid. <laughs> it is true. They still haven't figured it out. I mean, they still haven't figured out what's going to happen, who the president's going to be. They still haven't figured out what they're doing on the field. They're lost. Um, but yeah, as it stands, the top five right now, Atletico Madrid with 32, but two games at hand over second place Real Madrid, which is also tied with 32 points, but the goal difference favors Atletico. And you got Real Sociedad with twenty six, Sevilla with twenty six as well. Villarreal with twenty six as well. So all of them are pretty close. By Sevilla has fourteen games played, so they could jump very high up um into first. Like well, not first place, but into the running for second or third, depending how Real Madrid do. But yeah, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah.
1: and yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but. Before we move on, I would like to talk about Santos's statement that they put out about Messi and Pelé's goals. So last week's entire episode was on, well, not entire episode, but the main topic of last week's episode was that Messi broke Pelé's goal-scoring record for a single club. But just, was it yesterday or two days ago, Santos via Instagram put out a statement basically saying that Messi still has a couple hundred more goals to score, and that Pelé um, has over a 1,000 goals for Santos because they're not including the friendly matches. So I will read this statement to you. In the last few days, there has been a lot of talk in the media and on social media about how many goals Pelé scored in a Santos shirt. According to some statistics, the Argentine Lionel Messi became the player with the most goals for a single club when he scored 644 for the Catalans, excluding friendlies, which some call official goals. However, part of the media report the total while excluding the best record of all, the total number of goals for the clubs. Pele scored 1,091 for Santos, and the expert press accounts, Pele scored 643 in competitive matches, and the 448 goals scored in friendly matches and tournaments were ostracized as if they hold less value. The 448 goals, which today they tried to disqualify, were scored against the best teams of the time. Club America and Coca-Cola each conceded nine goals against Pele. Inter Milan, one of the great European sides of the 1960s, conceded eight from Pele. The list is immense and includes huge names, River Plate, Boca Juniors, Racing, Universidad de Chile, Real Madrid, Juventus, Lazio, Napoli, Benfica, and Anderlecht. Even Barcelona, where Messi plays, was one of Pelé's victims. He scored four goals in four games against them. End quote. So that is... Well, I would like to hear your opinion on this before I go any further on it. I mean,
0: it's... Here's the thing, like, I understand trying to protect the record and be like well he hasn't scored but they're counting official goals and they're saying they're not counting Messi's like friendlies so if we're just saying like official goals like it's I I don't think why they like I understand Pelé is like he's still one if not the best player in history and but it's not gonna like it's not a big deal. You shouldn't just start making those statements. It's not going to affect you. It's not going to like damage his legacy. It's, I think it's just Santos trying to like protect like their best player in history, but at the same time, like, I don't think Pele like would care because this isn't like a statement from Pele. This is a statement yeah. from Santos. I mean, there, there is the argument that you're saying like Messi scored more goals than Pele, like official goals with the same shirt. That's wrong. Cause, um, red and blue shirt he's only scored 320 goals with the like fluorescent green one he scored 110 (laughs) goals but no but um yeah i i think there's no need for santos to start doing that i just it is media coverage it is press but at the same time it's like completely completely like useless there's people if people want to count the friendly goals and count Messi's friendly goals as well, if you just want to count official goals, just count official goals. Both of them have been extremely good players and will be like, remembered as probably some of the best players in history. So there's no need to start like measuring like, Oh, he scored more like goals in a friendly game and nobody's going to care. Let's just leave yeah. it at, as it stands.
1: And I mean, like, even if you counted Messi's friendly goals, they're going to be, it's going to be like against the same kind of teams that, Santos are claiming Pele scored against during friendlies because friendlies are usually like, I mean, nowadays they occur in the summer. All these big teams come over before preseason and they play a preseason tour against other teams and they don't put out their strongest lineups. So like Messi, I know when he comes over to to the U.S. to play against, you know, like Inter Milan or whatever team he's going to go play against um he doesn't usually play the whole entire time they don't play their best they don't play their hardest and whatnot so I mean it would be interesting to see the stats but I mean I'm not really bothered either way to be completely honest um yeah I still think that Pele is the greatest of all time so um yeah I really don't think this really affects him in any way
0: Yeah, and, I mean, it is also, like, I could understand if you're making the argument in terms of international competition because 90% of the games you're going to play internationally are going to be friendlies just because that's how, like, the system works. Like, there's very few, like, big tournaments, and there's, like, a lot of friendly. So I understand that situation. But this is, like, in terms of club, like, and I could kind of get, you know, before they're not counting some, like, tournaments in which, like, sides from Europe and South America played and then in those times like South American sides were much stronger than they are right now. But yeah, I I don't think like I don't know if Santos is actually taking this seriously or just wanted to like get involved or but I think Pele right now is like sitting in his house just being like, I don't I could not care less. But yeah. So um League Uh, Uber Eats. Um, The most important things about the uh, Uber Eats, honestly, is, first of all, Thomas Deerhill got fired. (laughs) So that's a big one. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they did hire Pochettino.
1: Yeah, Uh, I know that it was basically all but, like, solidified.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Pochettino used to play for PSG, so there's that side. But it's very likely that it's going to be him if it but so as it stands here's the thing they they fire him on christmas after psg beat strasbourg 4-0 so you're we like that's kind of harsh i do understand they are right now they're third place but they're one point like below first and second so yeah it's it's messy it's it's interesting but so as it stands right now the, it's uh, lyon number 1 with 36 little 36 as well but just one goal behind in goal difference. Uh and PSG in third with 35 in Europa League as right now. Oh no, they're uh Champions League qualifiers and then in Europa League Ren with 31. So it is also pretty tight and I think like before we stop with our league recap I think the top leagues are much tighter than they used to be this year. So yeah B- I completely agree. Yeah, so it is going to be interesting moving forward. So another thing this week, the Globe Soccer Awards. Take it away, Chris.
1: Yeah, so the Globe Soccer Awards held in Dubai this weekend. Some big names, some big awards. So let's jump right into it. Player of the Century. So they're counting the years 2001 to 2020 was awarded to who else but Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, I think – Obviously, he is the player of the century. In my mind, he's better than Lionel Messi, and he's the best player of this generation, hands down, kind of. Um, I mean, it it could obviously be debated, but in my mind, hands down, Cristiano Ronaldo. Messi is fantastic, but Ronaldo, there's just something else about him. Like, Messi is technically amazing, the way he dribbles, like the amount of goals he scores and everything, but Ronaldo is just... He's just like from another planet. So I do think he deserved this. Um, So yeah, very well deserved to you, Christiana, if you're listening. Um, Player of the year goes to none other than Robert Lewandowski. I really don't think I have to explain that at all. Um, Very well deserved. He's the best forward on the planet right now. And he's finally getting the recognition he's deserved. He's always been underrated. And I think this year people are finally starting to realize, wow, this man is the real deal, even though he's getting up there in age. And then they gave out two player career awards. I don't exactly know what the description was. Do you?
0: I have absolutely no idea what, what it was. I, I, cause yeah, it's, I'm actually searching it right now, but I have no idea what it meant.
1: Okay. So it's probably players who had like extraordinary careers with their clubs. So, Number one, went to Iker Casillas, who played goalkeeper, played for Real Madrid and Spain. And number two, went to Gerard Piquet, who plays for Barcelona in Spain. Well-deserved to both of them, too. I know growing up, Casillas was the best keeper in the world. Very well-renowned. Him and Buffon were like the two keepers at the time, so very well-deserved to them. Coach of the century goes to Pep Guardiola, and they're also counting... 2001 to 2020 just like they did for ronaldo and what are your what are your opinions on pep getting this
0: I uh, it's you know it's kind of interesting because as i was looking at the awards and like people who've received received it they started in 2010 or like around there for the globe soccer awards and i mean cristiano ronaldo's is like easily like it's going to be easy because out of, like, since 2011 that they've awarded it, he's won six times. But here's the thing with Coach of the Year. I don't think they haven't, like, named Guardiola Coach of the Year any single time. Yeah. From 2012 onward, it's been Mourinho, Conte, Ancelotti, uh, Mark Wilmot, uh, Fernando Santos, Diane, Deschamps, Jürgen Klopp, and then Flick this year. So it's – I don't know. I, like, I agree, but I think, like, after he left Barcelona, I don't think he should. He's a great coach, but I don't think he has ever, like, been back to being number one in the world.
1: Yeah, because he didn't win the treble with Bayern. He came the year after. Yeah. And, I mean, Bayern did some great things during that time, but they ne- never won the Champions League with him. Yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of surprising to me. Um I mean, being a United supporter, uh, I obviously wanted Sir Alex to win that. He came in third. Second was Zidane, and I don't understand that. I mean, I know they've won like the Champions League and everything, but I don't rate Zidane as a manager. I don't rate this Real Madrid side without Cristiano Ronaldo. So, um, I mean, Guardiola has been fantastic everywhere he's been, but... Is he coach of the century? I think that's still up for debate.
0: Yeah, and I think that, like, award is much more up for debate than most of them. Because, yeah. I mean, yeah, we're doing outside of Barcelona. It's not. I mean, it's not he hasn't done anything. He has won the league, but he won the league with Manchester City, with Bayern, which is basically a must-do. Yeah, And, like, as well, like, with the Sudan like, question, I mean... I feel like you could pop any of us like into that Real Madrid starting lineup, like not into the lineup, but like behind them, and we'd still win something. So yeah. I, I think yeah, you have to give it to somebody who's actually done like something influential, and I don't think any of those have done anything that huge in terms of like being I would agree. coach of the century. Yeah,
1: that's why I would give it to Sir Alex. He won so many. Premier League trophies, won the FA Cup, he won the Champions League. But whatever, we're on to coach of the year, who is awarded to Hansi Flick of Bayern. Obviously, five titles this year, insane. Club of the century goes to Real Madrid. I kind of think that's a, that's probably a no-brainer.
0: Yeah, I mean, as much as like I feel other clubs have done like a lot since, I mean, Real Madrid had their moments and as well they've been awarded it like three times something like that yeah and i mean the amount of champions league and like just titles and before cristiano left they were constantly at the top of like every competition they were at so i think yeah it's a no-brainer as well yep
1: and then club of the year goes to Bayern. obviously we've been over that so many times and agent of the century goes to jorge mendez who's ronaldo's agent i'm pretty sure he also represents a couple other players. So yeah, um I wasn't too troubled by any of these results besides Coach of the Century.
0: Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I just want to point out for the Agent of the Century uh, and Agent of the Year. Since 2010 Mendes has won it like basically every single year, except in 2016 with when Rayola won it. So I think that was also like the biggest no-brainer for them. Like he surprised.
1: It that jonathan bennett or barnett what's his name jonathan barnett i think it's barnett i should know this i took a sports man not management a sports agent in class um he is gareth bale's agent i'm surprised he didn't win it that year that gareth bale moved from tottenham to real madrid but anywho it's just manager of the century it's really not that big of a deal for football fans
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're you're an agent, uh, that's a huge. Oh yes, yeah, obviously.
1: But anyway, on to our special segment. So obviously, this is going to be the last episode of this calendar year for us, and we thought, what better way to cap it off than by hosting our own 2020 awards ceremony? So here are our categories: we have best team, best player, best breakout player, best transfer best manager, favorite match, best match, two different things, best goalkeeper, best defender, best midfielder, best forward, and best player. All right, so Mr. Jose, I'll let you begin with best team.
0: Best team for me, and I think it's pretty obvious, Byron, just overall, I've been dominant this season. have been dominant since the restart. It's They've won everything they could win, and I think that's the biggest no-brainer we have on this list.
1: Yep, I agree. Um, The only other team who could compete here is Liverpool, but, I mean, they didn't come anywhere close to achieving all that Bayern did this year. So, best team of the year, unanimously, Bayern Munich.
0: So now we're going to go to favorite player, not best player, favorite player.
1: Yeah, so our favorite player of 2020 mine is bruno fernandez um he's just been absolutely incredible since he's come to manchester united and since he's moved to the premier league in general i think he's been the best player in the premier league in 2020 this whole entire year this the his impact is just unparalleled no other player in the league has impacted a team um this year the way that Bruno Fernandes is and he's just so fun to watch like in that camera he is the perfect cam um he's got that flair he had he can score his passing range is unbelievable so yeah my favorite player Bruno Fernandes
0: yeah and for me it was it was pretty hard to to choose I mean obviously it had to be somebody from Bayern but as much as I love players like Lewandowski Mueller you know Neuer has a goalkeeper and. Goretzka as well. I'd have to go with Joshua Kimmich. It's he's been basically the heart and soul of that team. Like he plays whatever position you need him to play. If you need him at a right back, he'll be the right back. If you need him at like the midfield, he'll be at the midfield. And when Byron lost him in a few like few months, a few weeks before the end of 2020, like we, I think they didn't win single. They won like three games out of the last seven. They tied like four games basically almost in a row because they didn't have him and that place and I mean he scored an incredible chip against Dortmund he scores an assist in the game against Barcelona he's like he assists in the world in the World Cup in the Champions League final against PSG he assists in their first game back for um against Schalke in their first game in Champions League as well basically same goal he set up for Coman. he sets it up again in Atletico so he's been he's incredible to watch and he just plays with like a passion that a lot, like you can see it a lot of times in different players, but he's just constant and he never like lets go. So for me, Joshua Kimmich.
1: Yeah, and I would, agree with, um, I would agree with you if I was in your shoes. Now, if I was a diehard Bayern fan and always watching them, I would agree with that. So on to best breakout player, which I think is really interesting. So we're looking at like under 21, under 23 players, Players in that range, so I'm gonna let you begin, because I think you have the most obvious choice for this.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, it was a no brainer as well. It's for me, it was it has to be Holland. It's, I mean, he bursted on the scene. He did like, because I remember first time I heard about Holland, it's like in 2019, I'm like, he scored like nine goals in a single like U20 World Cup game, but that Norway team didn't go anywhere. So I was like, oh, that's that's pretty impressive. But I like, can he do it like once he goes pro or like once like he's playing, you know, in serious competitions? I don't know. And then just he took 2020 by storm. He comes back after the break. He scores I I think if I'm not mistaken, he was scoring like he, at one point he had more goals than games played in Germany. Yeah. And in the Champions League, he's just like deadly. And he's one of those players that you can't like i get it there's a lot of hype but he has like responded to it properly he's consistently like scoring the goals he needs and he's one of those players who is not only like extremely physical he is like he's extreme like he's pretty tall he's almost two meters tall like six feet six feet four inches the guy is huge and but he's still like fast he knows where to be he's got everything you want in striker he also drops incredible incredible rap songs which is what you want in your, in your number nine. And all around, he's just an incredible player. So for me, that, that has to be the breakout.
1: Yeah, and I do agree. So my award is going to go to Erling Haaland, but I'm going to talk about my runners-up because I have four of them. And I mean, if Haaland wasn't the breakout player this year, it would be to one of these four players. So number one, I'm going to go with Gio Reyna. Obviously, Erling Haaland's teammate on Borussia Dortmund. And what a year he's had. Uh, I think he debuted and he was 17 years old this year for Dortmund, another American player coming in. And he's just been like the assist machine for Haaland when they play together. They are kind of unstoppable. And he's just a huge, huge phenomenon here in the States, Everyone is in love with him, the future of U.S. soccer, if he chooses to play for us instead of England and those other countries that he's available to play for. So Gio Reyna, just because, um, you know, he's been the player setting a pylon and because of his age and the excitement around him. Number two, I have Weston McKinney, another American, made a huge move from Schalke, who were just in the relegation battle last year in the Bundesliga. And he made the move to Juventus, the giants of, of Italy. And now he's a starter in Andrea Pirla's midfield. He won U.S. Player of the Year. He is just incredible to watch. He scored a scissor kick against Barcelona two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whenever it was. And just watching his development over the past couple of years and to see him really make that move and make that impact this year, I think is a reason why he should be nominated for this. Um, my third player is going to be Jack Harrison. He's a winger for Leeds United. Um, he won promotion with Leeds. He's a huge reason why Leeds made it into the Premier League this year. And he's a huge reason why Leeds are having the season that they're having this year. He is an incredibly talented winger he's from england went through the united youth system came over to america played in college here played for NYCFC, and then he got signed by man city and then went on loan to leeds like his story is just it's very inspiring to see him make all those moves and to finally become the premier league star that he's being now so i think he deserves a shout here and then lastly i have alfonso davies i think this year, he really became a starter in that Bayern defensive four. And if I'm not mistaken, I think the game where he really came on everyone's radar was that game against Barcelona, where he ran down the wing and absolutely obliterated the whole entire defense and then laid it off to Kimmich in the middle, who scored. Yeah. So those would be my four.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree also with a lot of that, but Alfonso Davis would be my second place. And I, like, here's the thing. Alphonso Davies, like, even before that game, as a Bayern fan, I'd seen him, and he, he was just, like, impressive. Because what he does is just, like, I get that there's a lot of players that are good in that position, but he's just, like, incredible going forward, going back. He still needs to learn how to defend properly, but he's still, like, consistently one of the best players. And he had a great support system with David Alaba, who can just, like, recover for him. Because he knows that left winger, like left-back position better than anybody. But, I was going to point out just quickly about Holland Uh, when I was trying to figure out how many goals in games he has exactly 23 appearances and 23 goals since signing for Dortmund, which yeah if I mean if you're playing your career on FIFA maybe that's normal but in the real life it's it's insane.
1: And imagine if he was healthy to finish up the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, that when when I heard he wasn't, I was like relieved (laughs) because like that just puts Dortmund a little bit further back. But yeah, so. We're going to go to the next category, best transfer. Um, you go with yours.
1: Okay, so mine, obvious choice, Bruno Fernandes in the January transfer window from Sporting Lisbon to Manchester United. I've already talked about his impact. He has been involved in 32 goals in 61 matches since he's come to the club. It's absolutely Unreal how impactful he's been and to get a player like him in january um i mean he he was not like well known but i wouldn't say that he was someone on the top of everyone's radars like usually those players come in the summer and to get this player in january and have him make the impact he's made this whole entire year has been incredible so for me best transfer bruno to united
0: yeah, and for me, I have two different ones, which both could be, but I have Hamas to Everton or Angelino to uh, RB Leipzig. I My issue, I think Hamas, if he has, like, if he'd stay healthy and he didn't get injured as much as he has, would be higher on the list for me, but I mean, he's done great things. It's just he helped, like, Everton have that little title title charge for a bit before everybody started getting hurt, and then they just uh stop winning. But I think that's it's evident that have like a lot of the impact has to do with Hamas playing. They're still in fourth place, which is not bad at all. But I think with Hamas, Everton are much more dangerous than without him. And they do play a much more exciting like type of football. But Angelino has just been incredible so far. He's a left back for like RV Leipzig. And you know, he started in Manchester City, got sent like On loan everywhere, signs for PSV, gets sent back to Manchester City, and right now he's on loan. But I mean, since the last season, like he's been involved. Like I think it's 25 games. He's just been like scoring. He's scored five goals for RB Leipzig as a left back in 25 games, which doesn't sound that impressive after we talked about Holland scoring 23 and 23. But this guy's a defender, and he goes up, he goes down, like. He assists, he scores from free kicks. It's like, and I think he's one of those players who is talked about, but maybe not as much as others. But I think it's been a huge deal. It is a loan right now, but I mean, if I'm RB Leipzig, I'm like, let's just sign him permanently as soon as you can, but yeah.
1: Yeah, and if I had to pick between your two choices, I would pick Angelino just because James has been injured He hasn't been playing recently, and I mean, obviously, at the beginning of the season, Everton were at the top of the league because of him, but um, now that I've watched more of RB Leipzig, I watched Angelina single-handedly beat Manchester United in the second leg. So I'm going to give it to Angelina if I was picking out of yours.
0: And I think it is time for the next category, uh, best manager, here again i think this one that is unanimous like we didn't have to think too hard um did you want to do the honors or should i you can do it okay Hansi flick coach of the year i think that's pretty much pretty easy choice treble winner taking byron like taking lead of byron after losing 5-1 he didn't lose but he was the assistant then they lose 5-1 against um well is it eintracht frankfurt team was, was in disarray and they've literally like turned the like the team around and to make the best team in the world right now so yeah I mean that's a no-brainer for both of us but I would like to say I think when the category for best manager somebody who else who I think hasn't been talked that much about by a few like by a lot of people is Gasparini Atalanta's manager And I think he's Changed that team and worked with the team. I think he's one of those players that, one of those coaches that a lot of players like want to play for. He has had issues with Papu Gomez that happened like a week ago, but he has changed that Atlanta side to a very dangerous, like, attacking side. Defensively, they have their issues, but attacking is one of the most exciting teams. Like, if you're just putting on a game, they're extremely exciting. So, I would also give a little bit of a shout out to Gasparini. I agree with that. Uh, now, our favorite match of the year. You can take this one. because Yes. Yeah.
1: So this is not exactly best match. It's just the match we had most fun watching or, you know, just what we enjoyed the most. So I went for an in-person match, a personal experience, and mine was Barcelona versus Bar, a game which we saw in person in Barcelona. It was the Messi four-goal game. I believe it ended 5-0 or 5-1. 5-0, no. there we go. I'm giving Ibar too much credit. Um, Yeah, so I got to see, you know, Messi, one of the best players of all time, score four goals in front of my eyes. So obviously that's going to be my favorite match of the year.
0: Yeah, and I think you're forgetting the fact that it was uh, Braithwaite. Oh,
1: I can't forget about Braithwaite. Uh, yeah, so everything about that experience, if you want to hear more about it, you can look at our Soccer Stories podcast. We have two episodes of those where we talk about all the all the matches we attended while we were studying abroad in Europe, which was so many. But um, yeah, everything about that. And the Braithwaite made his debut, came on for Griezmann, who had a terrible game. I was very upset with uh Griezmann's performance, but Braithwaite almost scoring. Um didn't get an assist. Yeah. Yeah, and his first the the worst first touch in history.
0: But um, great first game. Yeah. Um yeah so for my favorite match of the year I also have Barcelona just on the different side uh Bayern aid Barcelona too. I like I as a Bayern fan I love I love when they won the Champions League. I but the moment I was replaying over and over in my head, and the biggest moment I remember from the Champions League is Bayern like absolutely destroying Barcelona. And we have Bayern like beating Tottenham 7-2. So it there it wasn't like that wasn't unexpected. It was just Bayern like and it was a struggling Barcelona, but between just seeing like the full on machine that Bayern was that season and still is, but was in that Champions League tournament just full steam ahead just no mercy at all just go and do what you have to do. And I mean also we have the added factor of beating um Arturo Vidal who before the game said that uh they weren't facing a Bundesliga team they're facing the best team in the world. So whenever you can shut up somebody who's just trying to get under your skin and then you beat them that way that's That's incredible. And I think it was it still today is a huge game in terms of for Barcelona. It's still like you're still seeing the impact on Barcelona like right now. So, yeah, that was my favorite game, but not let's not talk about our favorite game. Let's talk about the best game for both of us. What's yours, Chris?
1: sorry i was muted i i forget how that we're using zoom and how to use zoom so i jokingly actually i don't know if this was jokingly or not i jokingly put it down but now that i'm thinking more about it i'm not sure if it's just a joke anymore so i had put aston villa seven liverpool too because villa are having an incredible year this year they're usually a team that is in the relegation battle every year or like uh bottom of the table club in the Premier League. But this year, like right now, they're in fifth place. They just drew with Chelsea this weekend. They beat Liverpool 7-2. So I think that, oh, that might be my best match just because it shows how competitive the Premier League is this year. And it's a team that's typically a lower-level um, Premier League side beating the former Premier League champions, So that might be it. I think that's it. I think that might be my final. (laughs) And if it wasn't that, it would be um, the final game of the Premier League season. Last season, um, it was Leicester against Man United. Man United won 2-0, and it secured third place, which got them into the Champions League. But obviously, they didn't do much with that Champions League spot. So I'm not really that excited about that so I think I'm going to give it to Aston Villa
0: yeah and I mean for me I mean one of the best games I've seen like this this calendar year was when PSG beat Atalanta but I'm also uh, still I didn't like that so much so I didn't put it obviously Um, but one of the best games I've ever watched was in 2017 when RB Leipzig played Bayern it was a 5-4 and there was a little bit there's a little bit of a similarity when Bayern played against Hertha this season and it was a 4-3 score. Robert Lewandowski scores all four, but they start the scoring starts at 40th, so you got a 40th minute and 51st minute goals for Lewandowski. Then Hertha tied up in the 59th and 71st. And then at the 85th Lewandowski scores. Then Hertha scores 3 minutes later. And five minutes later, Lewandowski scores again. So this is back and forth after the first goal was scored and it's just like all over the place. There was uh, 22 shots for Bayern, 10 shots for Hertha. I mean, Bayern did dominate most of the game, but it was still like a very tight game and literally they scored in the 93rd minute from a penalty. And it's, that was probably like, that is for me the best game so far this calendar year. But, so that's the best game.
1: Hmm? I was just going to say, I respect
0: that. And, yeah, I mean there's been very good games but that that that's that's a lot of goals for a for a little time. But now we're going to go for our best goalkeeper, defender, midfielder, forward and then best player. So best goalkeeper, both of us agree, Manuel Neuer. It's got to be Neuer.
1: Yeah, Manuel Neuer in my eyes best keeper of the 21st century so far. Yeah. I had to um think about that as I was saying that Buffon was like punching me in the the face. So I was like, Ooh, was it Buffon? But no, Um, Manuel Neuer.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I think Neuer since he signed for Bayern has been on top of his game since 2011 and he had a few bad years after his injury and everything. And I think a lot of people have written him out, but this season he showed that why he's still the best in the world and probably like, the best in the 21st century maybe in the run of her best in history but i mean just because of the impact he has on the position but i think yeah we agree on that best defender now this one we have two different answers
1: yeah so mine is Virgil van Dyke. obviously liverpool's i'm not gonna say he's their best player but the most impactful player on that team um obviously he's out right now with an injury Thanks Jordan Pickford, but the the impact that this man has had on the club since signing for them is it's it, I would only say it's unparalleled, but it's not. But it, it's incredible the impact that it, that he's had on Liverpool. You know they've won the Champions League. It wasn't this season, last season, um, and now they won the Premier League. So. And without him, I don't think they do that. So, in my eyes, Virgil Van Dyke best play, um, best defender in the world.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's Sergio Ramos. My here is my main thing when we're talking, and of course, when I am talking about we're talking best defenders. I think my, the main focus is center backs. But here is the thing for me with Van Dyke: this, if we're talking exclusively twenty twenty, is they were out of most tournaments in. Like in 2020. And after they secured the league, he did not put a single, like that Liverpool team did not put a single gram of effort after following that. And then this season, he's been injured for a long time. So I think like that weighed into my choice for 2020. But for me, it has to be Sergio Ramos. Real Madrid without Sergio Ramos has struggled immensely think he by the end of like last season he was one of the top scorers in the in la liga like most of them were from penalties but he is the captain of that side like right now like, if you're thinking real madrid you usually you tended to think cristiano ronaldo but after he left i mean if there's one like player that you look at and you think of when you think real madrid it has to be Sergio ramos and he's carried that team like a long way and yeah i mean throughout his career. He like we talked about the career awards that uh Piquet got. I think if you're talking um who could also have won it right now, it Sergio Ramos World Cup winner, Champions League winner. Like if there's something you could win, Sergio Ramos has won it. So I think for me in twenty twenty has been like he's been the rock of that defense. Which and let's admit it, Real Madrid has not always been on the best side uh this season, but I think he has in this calendar year. But I think if there's one player that stands out, it's
1: Sergio Ramos. Yeah, I agree. So moving on to our next category, best midfielder. Um, Mine, obviously, Bruno Fernandez. Um, What is this? His third award that I'm giving him. This man is going to have, he has his own trophy cabinet just because of me, but yeah, he's in my opinion, premier league player of the year. Um, He's, He made, like, the UEFA Team of the Year, the FIFA Team of the Year. He's just been incredible. So, in my eyes, are there better midfielders than him, technically? Yeah, sure. Um, Are there midfielders, like, on Bayern, who have won more than him this calendar year, who you would give this award to? Yes. But I think his impact... The amount of goals he scored, the amount of assists he scored, and all of that come into play when I give the give the give this a world out. And me being a midfielder myself, he has all the qualities I look for in a midfielder. So I give this to Bruno Fernandez. Yeah.
0: And for me, it was tough. I I was thinking between Thiago and Joshua Kimmich, and as much as I want to give it to Kimmich, I think the fact that he can also like he's played a lot of 2020 as a right back weight into this. But for me, it's gotta be Thiago. I mean, he's incredible. He's one of the best players. I think Robert Lewandowski voted for him as the best player of the year, but I think he's just, he's technical. He sees things that other people might miss and he just has to be like for me If I'm choosing one midfielder, I'd have to put Thiago in, even though he left for Liverpool, which is still heartbreaking. But, I mean, it is what it is. But, yeah, for me, best midfielder has to be Thiago. Now, best forward, we agreed on this. I don't think there's a person in the world who would disagree on this, except if they don't watch the sport or they're very deluded and live in a different year or a different century. But best forward has to be Robert Lewandowski. I mean, sorry, Robert Lewandowski, but it's just the impact he has on Bayern, not only on the field, just out of the outside of the field as well. It's it's otherworldly. I mean, we're talking about how Holland scores like for fun, Lewandowski as well, and he's one of those players who doesn't really care how good his goals are. Like he's not going to score you like an incredible goal that like will leave you shocked for ages, like Messi or Cristiano, but he's going to score like. In the time they score one of those, he's going to score four, and then he just takes away. So, yeah, I think it's pretty easy that he is our number one forward and number one player. Do you want to? Do you want to take it away?
1: So, I left this blank. I was taking this whole entire time to really think about it. Um, there's so many different players I want to put in here for different reasons. But if you want to put the obvious player of the year and the person who deserves it the most, it is Robert Lewandowski for all the reasons you just said. So I think this is going to be unanimous.
0: Yeah. I think like most people in the world would agree. Robert Lewandowski right now, not just the best forward, but the best player in the world. I mean, so far this year, he has 20 goals in the 2021 season. And last season, he also scored, like, what was it? It was 55 goals last season. So, it's just – it's amazing. He – like, you show him, the like, just the goal, and he finds a way to score it. You can put, like, five people in, in the way, and he's like, oh, this is going in some way or another. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's been a very good recap of what the year has been. So, just a little bit moving forward, what we're going to look forward to this following year in 2021 what are your top things that you want to see or you're looking forward to in 2021?
1: So number one, my number one thing is the second half of the premier league season. As I've said, episode after episode, this is the most extraordinary premier league season of all time. The title race is so close right now. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the second half. um, Due to like the January transfer window and the, the new players that these teams bring in, such as United and Liverpool or like Everton and Leicester to really you know push for that number one spot or the top four spots to get into the Champions League. Um, speaking of the Champions League, another thing I'm really looking forward to, some extraordinary teams in there, obviously. And I'm also looking forward to the Europa League. Um, usually that would be a joke. But this year, it's not a joke because, you know, there are some really quality teams in there. AC Milan, one of probably the best teams in the world right now, are in it. Real Sociedad, one of the best teams in Spain are in it right now. United's in it. Ajax is in it. Um, so just a bunch of teams um, that are going to be really exciting to watch. So I'm really looking forward to that. And, of course, I'm looking forward to the Euros. It's going to be great to see some international football. I was really looking forward to it this summer. And then, you know, COVID happened and all of that. So canceled for good reasons, but I'm really excited for this. I think personally, England has a very good chance in this and I'm excited to see what Portugal does because right now, Portugal is my favorite to win the world cup next year. So those are my things to look forward to.
0: And for me, the, if we're talking about top we're talking about uh the most exciting things to look forward to next year. I mean, you also have the Club World Cup, which is not usually the biggest thing, but you know, it's there. It's exciting. Usually we'd have it already if we done dusted, but it's going to be it's going to be interesting. But as well, we we're talking about international football. We got 2021 Copa America, which is which is going to be interesting. It was also scheduled to be a little bit f- like Closer, but I think yeah, it's been postponed. But we usually have a few good teams. You got Brazil. You got Argentina. It's going to be interesting. Let's see what happens. But I think also World Cup qualifiers. I mean, it's coming. It's coming fast. It's two years. Uh, well, yeah, around two years or one year, uh, or however you want to see it. Once you you get twenty twenty one, but World Cup qualifiers usually get interesting, no matter where you are. So that's going to be like extremely exciting and. He's talked about the Premier League, but I think every top five league right now is on that point in which a lot of exciting things are happening. So it's going to be extremely exciting to see. And just mentioning this, the Libertadores, uh, we can see another Boca River final. So that is also very exciting, but we still have to see what happens. The next few games, like in the next few weeks, we're going to figure out who's in the final, but I think that's been pretty much all we have for this this episode.
1: Yeah. So if you want to see us uh, cover all that stuff, make sure you keep tuning in for the next couple of weeks, couple of months, hopefully the whole entire next year. Um, we have some really exciting stuff planned, um, some exciting projects that we're both working on, um, both with this podcast. We have a very special, exciting announcement that we're working on that we're not ready to release yet. But yeah, we both have some exciting individual stuff coming up that um, we will announce soon. But as always, thank you guys once again for tuning in. As always, I'm Chris Williams.
0: And I'm JB Rios.
1: Thanks for tuning in, guys. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.